0: Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who likes to climb no mountains, Palmer. How are you today? I can't do the podcast today. I I can't climb the mountains, mister. I hurt my finger. Yeah. Oh, hush up. <laughs> Go wear some curtains. <laughs> How are you today, my friend? Uh, I'm all right. I didn't really hurt my finger. I was acting, you know? That was some really that was some talent, I thought so. You know, do do you feel that you deserve an Oscar for what I, I always feel like I deserve an Oscar. Yeah, that's not really what I asked you though. <laughs> do you feel Every day I wake up thinking when am I getting my Oscar? That's a horrible way to live. I mean... You haven't made a movie. So? So. Do you you pretend... Technically, the producers don't make the movie. That's true. Do you pretend to... That's not true. I think every producer will fight you on that. Yeah. The producers will fight me on it. You know who won't? Everybody else in the film industry. Well, except for maybe the Best Picture nominees, because those awards go to the producers. Right. Right. So they do make the movie. They make the movie happen, as they might say. They they just show up and they're like, is the movie being made today? Yes? All right. Excellent. I'm out of here. All right. I'll see you later. Sometimes that's very (laughs) true. Anyway, we're talking about the 1966 Best Picture nominees. They are as follows. Darling, Dr. Zhivago, Ship of Fools, A Thousand Crowns, and The Sound of Music. A Thousand Crowns? Clowns. I always say crowns. I don't know why. A Thousand Clowns. Like, do you think we're talking about money? No, is crown still not. a? Is crown still a? Uh, no. think former payment. No, no. When did that leave? A while ago. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> and I'll give you half a crown. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's no. not a thing anymore. Palmer, do you know what one best picture? Yes, a thousand clowns. That is not true. Well, it should have. I know you. <laughs> really know that it's. The The Sound sound of of Music. The Sound of Music won Best Picture in 1966, so we're going to save that one for the end. Let's start in alphabetical order, because that's how I read them. A. A. A thousand (laughs) crowns. No, you never count the articles. You have to move on. So let's start with Darling, directed by John Schlesinger, written by Friedrich Raphael, starring Julie Christie. Dirk Bo- uh, Bogard and Lawrence Harvey. It was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. It won Best Actress for Julie Christie and Best Original Writing for Raphael and Best Costumes. The plot of Darling is as you're looking at me like Best Costumes, you say. <laughs> Best Writing, you say. <laughs> Best Writing, you say. Best Costumes, you say. These are words I would never have thought to use with Darling. The plot is as follows. A beautiful but amoral model sleeps her way into the top of the London fashion scene at the height of the swinging 60s. Ah, so it's a biography on me. It's Yes, it's absolutely about you. I know how you loved is, the swinging 60s. right? All and, that time you and spent And how there. I slept my way to the top of the London fashion I- industry. Yes, exactly. Alfie is actually about you. <laughs> but they just... They just took out the bit about the fashion industry, right? Yeah, this f- film. Speaking of Alfie, this film was to me basically Alfie with a girl in some in some form or another, kind it, of. It, not the fashion industry, certainly, but the swinging sixties. I'm going to sleep around, but the but she has an agenda, which Alfie really didn't. Alfie, of course, starring um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yeah, I mean. This is weird because she's she's in a relationship. Sure. And they're not married. They just live together. And she kind of goes around with other men. She goes around. Oh, she goes around. Pretty much knows this. Oh, he definitely knows it. And but he kind of just goes, well, that's what she does. Right. It's the 60s, baby. And then she'll also get upset like when her side pieces get side pieces. Yes, that's correct. It's a, it's a double it's a big double standard for her. Yeah. You can do she, this. She needs to be the center of attention. Or oh, she certainly does. Well, that's the whole point of her, you know, even going into the fashion industry in the first place so people can people can take her picture yeah. to be the center of attention. Julie Christie is wonderful in this. I think she yeah, she's like, very good. She's, she's in two movies this in this she lineup. Is. Um, she's, Dr. Also in, she's also in Doctor Zhivago. Sure, yeah. Uh she's really good in this. And she's really the only, like, to me, she's the only reason to watch this. The movie mm. doesn't have a lot of plot. It, no, it's it's not very interested in anything but her. It, it even took me a while to figure out, like, oh, those are, I'm supposed to care about these other people, maybe? I guess. Right, but you kind of fall into, like, because you're seeing most of the film from her vantage point, and she you tells know, you that right. You're not really caring about all the peripheral people. Yeah. She, oh, I just felt truly terrible about pulling apart a family. Well, here I am going to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I do think that the film might be worth the watch, even towards the end after she marries into the, the into the royal family into the I mean, royal Prince family of, of um of Italy Uruguay, I don't know of Italy, <laughs> and. I, that's really where I became interested. This is really wonderful, um, steady cam shot, and they follow her through the palace as she like slowly starts to. That was my favorite part yeah, of the was, movie. It was excellent, and I was like, I, it took a long time to get to that. Yeah, like, and I don't know if it needed to. I don't know if I needed two hours of her to make me feel for her the way I did in that moment. <laughs> But also she did it to herself. Yeah, I mean, I I was basically checked out on the movie at that point. I'm not saying we both agree that she's really good in this movie, but the movie doesn't do a lot to kind of command your attention. No. And And, she does her best as she can to command your attention, but if it's just her. Exactly. Um, So when it got to that point, I'm assuming, because I think I missed one or two things, so... She's sitting at she's sitting at a table mm-hmm. alone and she's like, I wanna contact my husband. That's right. And they're like, Well, he's over at his mother's. Well, can I send a telegram? And they're like, No. And that like she gets upset because that's right. she's basically now being treated how she always treated women. Like that's what I'm uh, men, rather. She's Yes, that is correct. Basically as like you're the trophy. Yes and And she's now left alone, which is why she tries to go back to her husband, and he's like, "No, not husband, they were lover. never married, lover, right, yes, um so yeah, so like that that whole tracking shot through the palace mm-hmm. is her like kind of going crazy because she's real- she's realizing like she's in the same predicament she had always put guys in, that's correct, okay, yeah, good. Yay. I learned something. You did, you did, and it's kind of worth it for that. But if you like know that, and then just watch that shot, then that yeah, scene, that's then it. you get everything that you need. Yeah, out of the. Film. I mean, this movie was two and a half hours, which is the theme of this of this season. Oh boy, isn't it? And that's one of the short ones. Yeah, and like like almost any other movie that we're gonna talk about today, this movie could have been done in like two hours. Or 90 minutes, and I think you get a tighter, better movie. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't need 14 instances of her gallivanting around with different men. I can get the same kind of presence about her if it's done, like, twice. Mm -hmm. Be like, all right, this is what she does. This is, it's a, okay, I get it kind of yeah. movie. Okay, get it. Can we move on to the next thing? But it's the swing sixties, baby. Nobody cares about time frames and stuff. You know, we're just living life. It's great. Yeah. Free expression. Take as long as you want to tell your movie. That's that's what have, we're living in. Have right a now. random like ten minute scene where people like go around in a circle in front of a running projector taking off clothes and putting on other clothes and acting like there's someone else when the music stops. Like that scene it was weirdly interesting But it didn't need to be in the movie. No, no, it did not. No, I absolutely, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. But like, it's a, it's a good scene. It's shot well. It's acted well. Doesn't need to be in the movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on because we're. I don't want to. You know. Uh. I don't want to beat a dead film. So tell me some fun facts, Palmer. Yes. Because as we know. This is the highest rated segment of our episode, is and that has, been, that has been confirmed by actual listeners. Oh, hush. <sighs> All right. What movie are we doing? Oh, my goodness. Darling, right? Yes. Sweet, because this has my favorite ever fun fact. All right. Tell and me. And I'm going to save that for last. The First fun fact. Newspaper ads stated, in dazzling color. Well, what's the sixties? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I forgot I was going to mention this. I will say at various points in this movie, even though it's black and white, it looks like there's color. Hmm. Uh, sh- explain that more. Um. One of the scenes where they're like walking along the riverbank, mm-hmm. like the way the way it looks and the way it's shot, it's weird. Like I know it's black and white. But you can almost see the color of everything around just kind of very, very washed out. hmm You know, I'm not saying that that was intentional. It just, it just the way it looks, like, gives you that kind of, like, washed out color. That you're like, I can see what the colors should be and where they should be, but this is a black and white movie. Sure. I can understand that. Lighting, baby. Yes, Just yeah. tricks you. According to Richard Gregson, the film mm-hmm. only earned 250,000 pounds in Britain. But Nat Cohen sold the U.S. rights to Joe Levine for 900,000 and made a profit. And the movie was a big hit in the U.S. Why, though? I don't know. Because it's the 60s. Because they were like, you wow, had no Britain. no other option. Because it was like, wow, Britain. And like now my should... favorite fun fact. Hugo Dyson was a fellow was a fellow of Merton College, Oxford. Mm-hmm. He was also a member of the Inklings. And do you know who was in the Inklings? J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yes, a group which included C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. R. Tolkien. However, he often loudly expressed his displeasure when Tolkien read early versions of his stories. He is recorded at one Inklan meeting as saying, O.F., not another elf. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Who was the Who was the guy that you uh, said? Hugo Dyson. Hugo Dyson. I'm just I'm just looking at an Inklings page. Was an academic. Was an English academic and member of the Inklings literary group. He was committed Christian. Together with Tolkien, he helped persuade C.S. Lewis to convert to Christianity. Wow, look at that. Oh, see, without him, we wouldn't have the line witch or the wardrobe. That is correct. Actually, that is correct. You wouldn't have Narnia without Dyson. So there you go. Oh, Christ, you don't want know another elf. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know what? Tolkien didn't like Narnia, so there was a lot of jabbery in that group. Every, everyone hated each other. They were like, ugh, why Why are the animals talking? Come uh, on. Why are the trees walking? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's get on to Dr. Zhivago, directed by David Lean, written by Robert Bolt, and uh, based on the novel by Boris Pesternak, starring... Omar Sharif, Julie Christie, Geraldine Chaplin, Rod Steiger, Alec Guinness, and Tom Courtney. I noticed that there was not one Russian name in that. There was not. Okay. The (laughs) movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor from Tom Courtney, Director, Editing, and Sound. It won Best Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography for a Colored Film. Not a black and white film, because there will be a distinction for that later. uh, And Production Design for a Colored Film and Best Music. It's one best music. Just put, this one best music. I'm just I'm giving you that. This will like, be one best music. But there are two categories for music: adapted music and, and original, original music. music. Yeah, in this one original yeah. music. <laughs> you were looking at me like because I'm pe- sorry. What? So I'm assuming at this point in time in the Academy Award history, there's no best original song category. There is not because that's the only reason this song wins. Like that, uh, Lara's theme. Yes, is I think that's what it's called. Yes, it is. Is. An extremely popular song, and oh, yeah, that's what actually song. drives the box office of this movie. Do you, are you, is there evidence you have hard facts to support that? There or is actual that? hard facts. Like, the movie does not do well upon its initial release. The studio throws money at it, and Laura's theme actually becomes a very widely loved song outside of the movie that people, like, since it's affiliated with the movie, people. End up going to the movie. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't think I actually have any of those in my fun facts, which is why I'm saying huh. it now. Did not know that. So anyway, let me talk, talk about the plot of Doctor Zhivago: the life of a Russian physician and poet who, although is married to somebody else, falls in love with a political activist wife, and they experience hardship in their illegal love and stuff. Does anybody stay with the people they're married is to in this? Set in this year, the Russian Revolution. Uh no no swinging sixties baby yeah I mean yeah hippies and stuff <laughs> no and so well I mean technically the sound of music everybody everybody checks out okay in the yeah. end but uh, Doctor Zhivago is an incredibly long, beautifully shot film that I didn't care about. And here yeah. and here's why this I so I told my I actually told my I actually told my father that I was I had to watch this series of movies. we were just having a a nice chat, and I said Doctor Chivaco and he's like, Ugh, why? <laughs> and so I told him it was you know it was nominated and he's like, just when you wa-, he never says this to me he's like when you watch it, tell me what you think. He never asks what <laughs> I think about films for this show like ever ever, and so. So I, I was like, okay, that's interesting because my dad does not necessarily care about like love stories. He's like, you know, yes, very films. much you know, like you. Yeah, right. I guess. So, so, so I was so very interested in why he didn't like this film because I was like, it starts really strong. It's like a really beautifully shot film. The music's great. Um, sets are sets are amazing. It's well acted. And then about halfway through the film, I was like. Why do Zhivago and Lara actually love each other? There's no reason for them to love each other except that they're pretty. They're like, oh, we're both attractive. We should be in an affair together. The end. It's weird you say that because I'm with you you on a lot of it. But to me, this movie doesn't pick up until... Um, Laura, um, shoots, uh, Om, not Omar Sharif, uh, Rod Steiger. Yep. Un- until that happens, this movie's not that interesting to me. I agree. That is the turning point. But for me, because that that's was, when stuff that was, actually starts happening. Yes, yes, and yes, and no. It's what starts happening. Their relationship starts happening. But you know, this is we're all kind of entrenched in the Bolsheviks and all this but stuff. I don't care and, about that? Yeah, but I care about that. I found that far more interesting. I care than about that. Them. to a point, like I liked it in the background, mm-hmm. and I liked. Oh, it certainly eff- was in the background. Yeah, and I liked the effect on it going forward. But I felt like the beginnings of it. Didn't really like. So so Alec Guinness like searching for the child of that first scene Mm -hmm. is good, and Alec Guinness is in it, so that's why it's spectacular. You know, that's why it's that's why it's good and it's captivating. Once you go to the flashback, like once you get into the story, I'm I kind of I kind of zone out until until right around um Laura shooting Rod Steiger and even a little bit before that when they're when Laura takes um the, the guy to meet Rod Steiger. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's and he he rapes her. Right. You know, even though he's like, you know, we've had this affair. Mhm. Sure. Um so there's that's when the movie starts becoming interesting because stuff is now happening to the characters like you're like the movie is billed uh, as a grand love story between Laura and Zhivago Mm -hmm. and they don't interact until an hour and 15 minutes into the movie yeah you're right you're absolutely it would be like Jack and Rose just never meeting on the boat for an hour and 15 minutes of a three hour movie so, I agree with you, like there are two shots in this movie that one I absolutely love, and one I think is pretty, and mm-hmm. I think it's only there because it's pretty because in my mind, it doesn't do what I think the director wants sure so the the f- first scene that I really like after she shoots Steiger and we're st- looking in through the window of them back yes. at their house mm-hmm. yes and the flame the candle is. Is um on the side of their head? No. <laughs> the the candle that's in front of the window is heating up the window pane to to uh, defrost, defrost it. it. Mm-hmm. So as it's defrosting in real time, you're seeing the window into the apartment. Yep. And that's how it's shot, and I really, really love that. And they do it a couple times. Yep. And it's and, defrosting their frosty hearts. Yeah. And um, I really love that. There was another one where Zhivago J- is leaving. And I can't remember if he's leaving Laura when he's like, I can't do this anymore before he gets conscripted into the Bolshevik army mm. or if it was at the end of the war, uh, at the end of the First World War or right. Second World War. No, First, First World, World War. war. Uh, but he's leaving, he's leaving um, this room or house. And in the middle on a table is a, is a pot of like um, daisies or daffodils mm-hmm. that are kind of wilting. And those are those are the things that are, like, really bright and in focus. And him leaving off to the side is, like, exit stage right in the background. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I, I know what they're trying to do with the shot. Like, the, the flower wilting is, like, the death of his love, blah, blah, blah. But the flowers are so bright and centered mm-hmm. that, like, you're like if unless you're really paying attention you don't you're not even noticing he, him leaving he, you like you're just like why am i staring at this pot, this pot of flowers wow the death of his love and you're like oh wait where did he go <laughs> <laughs> um i i understand i certainly understand the maybe criticism of of a shot like that i but i think you have to think of it this way like the film's in 1965 Film to be watched on the big screen, as right. many films still are, but you know, with that in mind, like you would see that on it, you would see him leave on the big screen. Yeah, you know, it, it's harder on your iPhone, if that makes sense, you know, That's to why catch I deep, watch things. On my I know, but you, you understand, no, I, I do. Yes, like there are some shots that would look spectacular on the big screen, like there's a lot of wide open shots mm-hmm. that would look absolutely spectacular on the big screen. That on at home, even though I have a decent-sized TV, I'm sitting going, this is a three-and-a-half-hour movie. We could have cut this scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just wait till we watch Lawrence of Lafravia. <laughs> also by David Lean. I know. Who apparently, like, no one likes working with. Everyone has, like, the worst time. But he, it's because he makes people stay in these horrid, horrid places <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. Let's film a movie in the desert. Let's right. film a movie in... Quote-unquote, Russia, because they weren't allowed to film in Russia. They weren't allowed to film in Russia. It was also a very mild winter wherever they they filmed, so a lot of the winter stuff. The snow is not real. Right. The snow is not real, and they're actually sweating. I mean, all that aside, you're right. This movie looks really good. I really loved, like, the Bob Ross-style painting (laughs) that's against the opening credits. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my point. Like, it's a really beautiful film. I could watch it on mute and get the same experience. Because to yeah. me this is a it's a visual treat, but not but the story is not anything that I would write home about. Yeah. And for a three hour movie I want a little bit more Cut it down. from the story. Yeah. Like if this was if again if this if is three a three hour movie, I better be engaged in that story. Exactly. If, for if this was a two hour movie and I got and I got from a little bit before when she shoots Rod Steiger. Sure uh Komarovsky I believe is his mm-hmm. character's name. Um for, if I get from there on then I'm kind of good with it like I I think the story is I think that story is good. Although I do agree you never really see them fall in love. Nope, I just He's I like just don't hey, I it. found Laura like he's writing his wife he's like, "Hey, remember that girl who shot that guy? Mm-hmm. She's now my nurse." And then they skip to the end of the war. And they're like, we love each other. Like, you don't see anything happen. Do you? Yeah. Do you love each other? That is my big question. It was my big question through the whole film. Do. Why? Why do you love each other? This movie did teach me, though, that Anastasia has lied to me. Obviously. Yes. Yes. Because I was always led to believe, like, when the Bolsheviks took over, they just went into the palace and killed Daza and the family. No, they put him in prison. For a few days. But still. Yeah, it d- didn't take very long. There's an excellent film with Alan Rickman called Rasputin. Would recommend. Watch that if you're interested in the Bolshevik Revolution. I'm always, like, I'm interested in history, which is good. And But this movie I don't think does enough of either storyline. This to me is almost, it's it feels almost like it's Generations Titanic in that sense that it's like, We're framing the love story around the historical event that you know and love, but uh, you know what I mean? Really? We're actually (laughs) recording uh, the day after the Titanic sunk, actually. Did you know that? Is it it April? We're... April 15th is the day the Titanic sunk. Yes. it is April 16th. If I remember correctly, that is also the day Fenway Park opened. Really? Yes. Wow. What a day. It's also the day my uncle was born. Basel Tov's all around. Anyway, it, it, he was born on the day the Titanic sank. Yeah, was he born on the Titanic? No, otherwise he probably wouldn't be around. Yeah, says you. Yeah, that's true. You never do know these days. My point to all of this <laughs> is that it, it's here is your love story framed around a big important historical, a historical event. event, right? You know, your Pearl Harbors, your Titanics, your Doctor Zhivago's. It's all the same. It's all in the same store It's all in the same vein. But it, in the case of Pearl Harbor or Titanic or they're anything. done good or say again they're done well. I was go- I wouldn't I don't want to talk about Pearl Harbor. I haven't actually seen Pearl Harbor and probably since it came out. Well, we're gonna have to watch it. We're not was not nominated. It should have been. Oh my god! So, uh, but, but, but it just those movies you, I can I can look into that and be like I see why the movie says they're in love. Mm-hmm. The narrative says they're in love because of these reasons. It takes they're more to them the love story. The, this movie that's the whole point of the story, and I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Besides the movie, why besides they say that they should be. Now, that being said, I really liked the last shots of Shovago seeing her while he's on the bus. There's a nice symmetry to the beginning of the movie with him and he's like, "Oh, but there she is." And then, "Oh, my heart, oh, it's broken, but also now it's actually broken." <laughs> you know, this that was cool. I liked that that was nice. But I'm glad it didn't win. If that's my <laughs> If that's my wrap up on Chivago. If it's your thing, good for you. If it's not your thing, good for you. Yeah. I w- they, they've they redone this movie. Um, and I think they did it a couple of times. The last one is with Kira Knightley, and it's a miniseries. Really? Yeah. And I, al- I almost want to see it. I wanted to see it just because it had Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley, Sam Neill, and Hans Matheson. Yeah, Does huh. Kira Knightley play Lara? I'm looking. Hold on. Give me a second. Kira Knightley se- plays Lara. Okay. Sam Neill plays Victor, her husband. Hans Matheson plays Zhivago. Wait, Sam Neill? Sam Neill, yeah. Dr. Jurassic Grant. Park Sam Neill yeah, is mentor. playing Kira Knightley's husband? Well, he's supposed to be much older than her, as he was in the film. He too. wasn't in this film. They the were the guy she shot. That's not her, her husband. husband. Not her husband. Uh, He's Komarovsky. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. I'm like, that's not her husband. I got my got my characters all mixed it's up. All Russian named. Know who's also in this movie? Who? Chris Marshall. Do you know who uh, Chris Ma- Marshall is? I probably will after you tell me. He plays Colin, Cold of Sex in Love Actually. <laughs> yeah. Before ah. he goes to America. Oh, yeah. Table. Well, oh, it's the same. Yeah. Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Bull. Um fairly well reviewed, Doctor Zhivago, the miniseries that came out in two thousand two. Fun fact. Although it's not on my fun facts. Doctor Zhivago, the movie? Not not so well reviewed. Kind of what we've been saying. Oh, it's one of the is it is it one of those like not everyone wonders why it was nominated movies? This is like the equivalent of of like the popular Wow, oh, this movie is getting, nominated? Film getting nominated? Okay, and not winning? Yeah, sure, sure. Huh. Well, anyway, tell me, tell me about tell all me right. More the actual fun facts. Over four thousand daffodils were imported from the Netherlands and placed on the outskirts of the mountain town of Soria, where Doctor Yuri Zhivago's father-in-law's country estate was located. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's a lot of flowers. This movie was shot in Spain during the regime of General Francisco Franco. While the scene with the crowd chanting the Marxist theme was being filmed at 3 a.m., police showed up at the set thinking that, they, that a real revolution was taking place and insisted on staying until the scene was finished. Apparently, people who lived near where filming was taking place had awoken to the sound of revolutionary singing and had mistakenly believed that Franco had been overthrown. As the extras sang the Revolutionary International for for a protest scene, the secret police surveyed the crowd, making many extras pretend that they didn't know the words. That's great. One more. One more. Omar Sharif had to undergo the daily inconvenience of having his eyes taped back and his hair straightened to disguise his Egyptian looks. He also had his hairline shaved up about two to three inches, and his skin waxed, a process which he had to repeat every three days. Ooh, ow! Yeah, wow, that's commitment. And he didn't even get nominated. As as soon as I read that fun fact, which I actually read like, you know, about an hour into Doctor Zhivago, I started looking at his eyes whenever I could mm. to see if I could see the tape. Couldn't, Couldn't look, see it. No, no. All right. Well, it's good tape. Okay, moving on. Ship of Fools, directed by Stanley Kramer, written by Abby Mann, based on the novel by Catherine Ann Porter, starring Vivian Leigh, uh, Simone Signore, Jose Ferber, Lee Marvin, Oscar Werner, Elizabeth Ashley, George Segal, and Michael Dunn. The movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Werner, Best Actress for Signore. Supporting actor for Dunn, adapted screenplay and costumes. This movie won best cinematography for a black and white film and best production design for a black and white film. Plot A varied group of passengers boarding a ship bound for a pre World War II Germany represent what is a microcosm of early 1930s society. Yes. Yes. And much like 1930 society, I am very uninterested in it. Aren't you? I thought you, just like five minutes ago you were like, "I'm interested in history." A movie about history, and you're like, "No, nah. this movie is not about history. No, it's really not. This movie is about people on a ship." You know what this film to me was? People sitting in the audience in 1965, looking at this, going, "Oh, he's gonna be a Nazi," or "Oh, you know, <laughs> like that's that's what this movie was like." I Anakin s- is Darth Vader. Like, yeah, it's basically it's like foreshadowing like of history I see yeah you can see where people got kind of wrapped up in this film like kind of enraptured in it where you're like wow that's what we were like that my parents were like that and now we're like this because post World War II you know and, and but without that context without being there in that historical context this movie is like nothing this movie is maybe a TV show Sure, sure. It's called the Love Boat. Yeah, yeah. No, pretty much, pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's the Love Boat, but with Nazis. Yeah. pre Nazis. I mean, that's essentially what the Love Boat was, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. No, so it's I'm, not I'm assuming the love boat. it's not. No, this. I mean, it's a it's a collection of good actors. Except Some tremendously good actors. Yeah. yeah. Some good actors giving it their their all. To make a script that just kind of flilts from... It floats like a boat. from Right. From one story to the next. Not really spending enough time for you to get too involved with the characters. Everyone that boards the ship happy and everyone leaves the ship angry. The Except end. for the one that left because he died. Yeah. We won't tell you which one it was, though. <laughs> it was that guy. It was that guy. My favorite part... Uh, of the film though is when the doctor is like I give up on life everything is terrible and then he goes to check out that uh, the the patient on the boat and the guy after he leaves the guy turns to the family like I think he's been drinking (laughs) like (laughs) that was my favorite part of the film I think he's been drinking yes obviously he's been drinking I think Lee Marvin was my favorite part of the film Lee Marvin was great like he's not a he's not the best character he's a horrible character but he just plays him so well (laughs) like um yes yeah he does but i mean sometimes sometimes the worst characters in films are the the people you'd love to hate are the best characters and like he's the i think eugenics are great all right shut up you (laughs) yeah he's he's the racist who doesn't know he's racist yeah that's a really you know you could make this movie again you could. you could. I wouldn't make want this, to, but you could. No, I mean, you guess that you could make any movie again. But if you retooled these characters for how people right. talk in the 21st century, or how they think of the 21st century, this movie would be a hit. Like, you know, it's just like it's of its time. But if you like redid it with like something, yeah, that you, you could, could connect just do. People you would, could retool it with the with with the issues of today. Right. Exactly, and people would be like. <gasps> That's just like us. Yeah. yeah. And then that's it. And you've got a hit on your hands. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but it, but the point of Academy Rewind is to go back and see if the movies hold up, if there are any good still. I and mean, it, in that and, instance, the movie does kind of hold up. I mean, yeah, it looks fine. It, it, You know, like there's nothing wrong with it per se. It's just not interesting. It doesn't hit any chords the way that it probably did in the middle of the 60s. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of That's kind of where I... I, That's kind of where I landed on yeah, it. Yeah, out of all these movies, this and Darling, I could say you could skip. I mean, at least... Spoilers. I don't know how you feel about the sound of music. At least Darling has like that one really good scene. It has a good build-up to something. Like The last 20 minutes of Darling yeah. are really great, but and it then, takes way too long to get there. And then Ship of Fools is one that just kind of never never pays off anything. hmm Yep. That's right. You know, all the stories do kind of wrap up, but it just never really It just never really gels. Nope. It does not. So tell me some tell me some fun facts. Make this movie oh. more fun. Well, this is the hardest one I had. Okay. Uh it's... when Yes, when Lowenthal mentions the funeral of Kashrina Victoria, he is referring to the wife of Fraser Frederick Wilhelm and mother of Kaiser Wilhelm. Oh, sure. Victoria was a daughter of Queen Victoria of England. Oh, well, there you go. The moment leading into Vivian Lee's Charleston is so perfectly synchronized that even after multiple viewings, it's impossible to determine whether the soundtrack cues her movement or vice versa. Ernest Gold's post-production scoring imaginatively matches lays perf- fleeting sanity by juxtaposing the brash, abandoned ragtime melody with a lone, melancholy note of, for strings, which alternate at expected, unexpected intervals. Did you write that? I did not. No. Okay. <laughs> Initially, directly, director Stanley Kramer considered filming aboard an actual ship, but that was determined to be too difficult. A ship set was built at Columbia Studios and a second unit filmed backgrounds at sea. The ship set extended over four sound stages and had four levels. Special effects were done at Paramount Studios, so the whole set was broken down into 44 sections, each measuring 16 by 12 feet and trucked to Paramount, according to an article in the August 2nd, 1964 edition of the LA Times. Well, Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Yeah, not Stanley Kramer's best. I will take Guess Who's Coming to Dinner over this any day. But you can see the seeds of where that film is coming. Political statements. He's making them, Stanley Kramer. (laughs) Racism. Yeah, gotcha. (laughs) All right. A Thousand Clowns. A Thousand... I wrote crowns in this did you yeah Good i don't job. know why i think that's the title of this movie because and there are not no crowns. even they never even mentioned the word crown i know but they mentioned clowns that's what's getting to me they don't not really so a thousand clowns directed by fred co written uh written for the screen by herb gardner based on his own play starring jason robards barbara harris martin balsam Gene Sachs and William Daniels, otherwise known as Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. Feene. 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 Or, as you will, John Adams. John Adams from 1776. Or the car kit from Knight Rider. <laughs> Just FYI, he was a talking car. Let's all not forget <laughs> that. So. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Music Adaption or Treatment is the, the subcategory. This movie won Best Supporting Actor for Martin Balsam. Uh, the plot involves a middle-aged iconoclast dodgedly avoiding the tedium of employment in conventional life, facing the prospect of losing custody of his young ward. If you watch this movie with a weirdly different look on life, it's just about Batman losing Robin. <laughs> like I'm dysfunctional. I don't want a normal life. I'm Batman. Oh no, the state is going to take Robin away from me. I think the movie would have been better if I don't know. I this movie is hilarious. This movie it, is funny. It, it was quite funny. It moves at a really good pace. It's, That's because it's, it's a two-hour two hour movie. It's two hours. If you frame it between Doctor Shivago <laughs> and Darling, or Ship of Fools, or the Sound, literally any of them, it moves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, William Daniels. William Daniels is great, great in it. He, you know, he he's plays in everything. Yeah, he it's plays his normal, very young. In the normal film. stern self. Mm-hmm. The the main actor is is really good. Jason Robards. Yeah, he what was mean? in he he was um he was the editor in the All the President's Men. Yes, and if I remember correctly, he's also the grandfather in Little Big League. Sure, a movie I've never seen, but I will believe you. I want to believe you. Really, <laughs> it's really, what it comes down to, I'm choosing to believe you. Um, oh, you should. This movie really falls into it's a play. That's a movie. You know, like you can tell it's a play. It's got one. It has that quality to it because yeah. everybody talks all the time forever. And when you need like different breaks, it does like little montage sequences of like moving through New York. Yeah. With with a nice fun with a nice fun song, I think Jason Robards is great. He's very charming and. Again, with the swinging 60s, it's very like, I don't want a conventional life. All these people are going to work, the idiots. Ha, 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 ha. That is the downside of this movie to me. Yeah, because you love working. Well, I do. But it's like, what are you doing? I'm typing on the keyboard. (laughs) So it's like, oh, the state's going to take away my kid. I need to get a job. But if I get a job... I'm, like, betraying my bohemian ideals. Like, I'm selling out. hmm And, like, I've never understood that. Sure. Ever in a mindset. Like, the, the point, the and Making, I'm not saying the entire point of life is to work and then die. You need money in order to buy stuff. of you. It really is. Yeah. Like, you need money to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. You need money to live. Like That's that is correct. just a fact of life. That's right. The facts of life. So the facts of life. I can understand being picky about the job you have, if you can get something that allows you to survive. But he's just like, I don't want any job. Like he finds a problem with every job. He's he's essentially handed in this movie. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like. I I just don't know. Like it's just yeah. I just I had a very hard time connecting to him for the same reason. And I'm like, I, you, you're just a bum, just, right? Like, I want to root for him because he's fun. He's funny. He's energetic. Mm-hmm. He obviously cares about the kid, not enough to go get a job. Right. Right. And that's all the state wants him to do, baby. Right. Just get some money in your pocket. Like, the only reason they even eat is because his brother comes over and brings fruit every day. Right, I know. It's just, you, in some ways, you, like, as a responsible adult, you'd be like, just get like, just get a job. Yeah. What is the matter with you? And so, because of that, I was a little turned off by the film because I didn't, con- he's funny, right. but I didn't connect with him. I don't have to connect with the main character of every film. No. I not connect with Dr. Zhivago either. But... Like I, you have to root for your main character in one whether you want them to succeed or not. I'm rooting and, for him to get a job, right? But I'm not like on his side, right? That, yeah, and I just at all and I wanted him to succeed because I felt bad for the kid more than anything else. So who wasn't even feeling bad for himself? He's like, whatever. No, because like there's there's really no negative effect of this guy's lifestyle on this kid except for the fact they're they're going to be homeless in like 2 months. Huh. Cuz he needs to keep paying that he needs to keep paying rent, I would assume. Huh. Yeah. You would think. You know, the kid's just about as bouncy and off the wall as his uncle. But that's fine. Like the kid's not malnourished. No. There's there's really the only thing is like you you're not having any sort of income. Like you need to get get some income. Get a job, you bum. that's what I mean. I just, I, I did think my my favorite my favorite scene of this film is when we first meet the brother. There, you know, there's the interview with child welfare services. The brother comes in with a box of fruit. He just kind of walks in, puts down the fruit, notices the people from child welfare, and he, I think he says something like, "Oh, is that child welfare?" And they're like, "Yeah," and he, like he quickly exits out the door. That's great. That is that is a great scene. It it almost reminds me of, uh, you've seen Scott Pilgrim, right? Do you ever see Scott Pilgrim? There's a scene where Scott's ex-girlfriend comes to the door, and she's like, hey, is Scott here? And Scott dives out the window, (laughs) and his roommate closes. he's like, no. And then Scott comes back in the window to grab his jacket and leaves, she's like, really? He's like, no, sorry. (laughs) It's hilarious. It's kind of like that, but not not as good. Anyway, do you have any fun facts? Because I'm done talking about this movie. Yeah, I am. Fun facts. After this movie, Barbara Harris and William Daniels appeared together in the Broadway hit On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, running from opening date August 17th, 1965, to closing date June 11th, 1966. Wow. Wow. Ten years before 1776. per, Per William Daniels' memoir, several months after production of the film concluded, he attended a private screening of the initial cut of the movie. This version contained no location filming, no marching band music score as was featured in the play, and the role of Leo Herman was performed by Paul Richards and not Gene Sachs, who had successfully played it on stage but was originally unavailable for filming. This early cut proved to be such a disappointment to the filmmakers. Herb Gardner decided to relinquish his screenwriting fee in exchange for permission from the producers to rewrite several scenes, hire the now-available sacks to substitute Rich's performance, shoot a number of exterior scenes on location, and extensively re-edit the film to its final version. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Two of the names Nick adopted temporarily are those of specific real people. Dr. Morris Feis- Fishbringing was the very con- controversial editor of the Journal of American Medical Association from 1924 to 1950. In 1947, Time Magazine described him as the nation's most ubiquitous, the most wildly maligned, and perhaps most influential medi- medico-, medico. Okay. Raphael Sabatini was an author, and a few of his more popular novels were adapted for film. These included Captain Blood and Scaramucci. Did we watch Scaramucci? No. No? That would be 1952. Did we watch Captain Blood? That would be 1935. So we're going to watch Captain Blood. Is I know. what you're know. saying. I'm pretty sure we're going to watch Captain Blood. That would be this sh- season, That too. would be this season. Yeah. Pretty sure we're going to watch Captain Blood. That would be three episodes from now mm-hmm. for those keeping track at home. Yeah. Those are not your best fun facts. Look, some of these movies don't have fun facts, but I refuse to let any movie go without them. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Make them up next time, will you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fall to <asleep> over here. <laughs> there was a mass orgy on the set. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Finally. Something fun. Anyway, let's talk about the Best Picture winner, The Sound of Music, directed by Robert Wise, most famed for... Star Trek films. The Motion Picture. Star Trek The Motion Picture, West Side Story, and, of course, The Day the Earth So Still. Really? Yep. Huh. That's my fun fact about Robert Wise. Everyone's like, oh, Sound of Music, West Side Story, the Andromeda Strain, right? And I'm like, yeah. And also The Day the Earth Stood Still. And also Star Trek The Motion Picture. And also the Curse of the The movie Cat that People. launched an entire franchise. The, the movie that launched nothing because it took way too long. It was like these movies. It didn't even launch the Enterprise. It didn't. Not for like an hour. Oh, my God. And I'm not getting on that right now. <laughs> oh, what a boring movie. Anyway. It's director by Robert Wise, written by Ernest Lehman, well, adapted for a film by Ernest Lehman, based on the musical by Howard Leslie and Russell Krauss, music and lyrics by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Howard Leslie? The guy from Gone with the Wind? I don't know. Look it up. I wasn't looking. I just... Howard Leslie is, the, um, is Scarlett's husband in Gone with the Wind. Howard Leslie, you say? Yeah. I'll look it up with you, because why read things? On with the... Uh, you, you don't mean Leslie Howard, do you? Look, I have a specific kind of medical condition, <laughs> and I'd prefer you not make fun of it. Howard Lindsay. It's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Oh. Lindsay. i literally been saying Leslie for like the last oh, five Oh, really? Sorry. My bad. Howard Lindsay. <sighs> I have a specific medical condition as well. <laughs> it's called... It's called not listening. It's called not listening. It's called deafness. Uh, Starring Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer, Eleanor Parker, Richard Hayden, and Peggy Wood. Plus, all of the kids. Limited, but not including... uh, Shoot, what's his name? Now I've I've lost it. Hold on. I've got to look it up. Ha ha. I will come to your rescue. Did you know... That there was a person named Irvin Baking in Gone with the Wind. Irvin Baking? Bacon. Irvin Bacon. Bacon. No, that's not who I was thinking of. I know, but I just like anyone Nicholas with a Nicholas Hammond. Bacon. I couldn't remember his first name. Nicholas Hammond, star of the live-action Spider-Man television show on CBS in the 1970s. Also... Fun fact. He played Kurt. Also, father of the guy who founded Jurassic Park. Richard Attenborough, no, Michael Crichton. No, the, the guy's name in Jurassic Park. For the love of God, the Doctor. Oh, uh, Doctor, um, Doctor Hammond. He's oh, out. sorry. Yeah, I, I thought you were being serious, and I was like, that timeline doesn't match up at all. <laughs> so I don't know what you are getting at. Sound of Music was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Peggy Wood, Cinematography for a Colored Film, Production Design, and Costumes. It won Best Picture, Director, Sound. Editing, adapted music. music, and Best Actress for Julie Andrews. Ah, it won both sound and music. Get it? <laughs> no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course I get it. Because it deserved them. I get it. <laughs> Plot. A woman leaves an Austrian convent because they make her to become a governess <laughs> for a naval captain in Austria, and they fall in love and fight Nazis and stuff. They don't fight Nazis. they run away from the Nazis. You're right? Yeah. They actually don't <laughs> fight them at all. The cowards, anyway, the sound of music is one of the most beloved films of all time, and honestly, I think it might be one of the only movies that we actually do in this show where you could be like, "Oh, a, a best picture winner that people still watch to this day. How strange! <laughs> yeah, it's almost novel that you get to like the sound of music and're like, "Wow, people still watch that like people still watch Titanic." No, but it but it's not. But the Sound of Music came out in the sixties. Right. Titanic didn't, you know, came out in the nineties. You know, so it's much different. No, I know what you're saying. You know, like the older the film gets, the less likely people are to rewatch it. A Best Picture winner or even a nominee right. over and over and over again. And the Sound of Music is one of those rare gems. Do you like The Sound of Music? Um, I prefer to think of this as King and I, Volume Two. Ew! It's, Ew. Why it would is you compare the, them? It is the yeah. same story. Yes, except this is kind of based on the true story, as was the King and I. So, what does that say? It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. But, like, and that's why I texted you the other day, and I'm like, these are the same guys that did King and I, right? And you're like, yes. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, governess, yep. Children, mm-hmm. stern father. Learns to love. Learns to love. Yeah, except in that one, they don't ever, they just, like, respect one another, like my fair lady. Right. You know, uh, they don't. Um, they don't fall in love with one another whereas sound of music is is a love story right but i think this is like and did this did they do this before or after king and i this is ooh that's a great question pretty sure this I is after it. the king and i so they took they were like let's do the king and i only let's get them together like that's our second crack at this story it's very possible i mean the 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 von trapp family singers was a very well regarded group of singers before the sound of music right yes it was they were you No, know, they really did they you know they, right. they really she really did the real the the real Maria really did marry Captain Von Trapp she mm-hmm. did care for his kids they did flee from the Nazis they went to Italy and then from Italy they came to the States right. and lived I in actually Vermont. fun facts about that so shut up uh, well I asked you if you had fun facts and about I told the real you I family. haven't even done the fun facts yet and so Pardon? I know some of this Go, well, my mom went to school with one of the grandchildren ah. that's my fun fact isn't that fun one of the grandchildren? The, so one of the grandchildren of, like, they had more kids. One of the grandchildren of Colonel Von Trapp, not, so, the, not his kids. Captain, not Colonel. And, whatever. Um, and so the children of one of the children.
1: Right, okay.
0: Like Liesel's mm-hmm. daughter, whatever. That makes more sense. Yeah. Because I thought you meant, like, the, the, the grandchild of one of the children. I'm oh, like, that no, no, does no, not... of Maria. Yeah. Yeah, of Maria and... Gregor, which is his real name, not Captain. Just FYI, not Maria. She wasn't the actual mother. Yes, I I think they had they might have had kids afterwards. I'm not positive. Okay, uh, maybe not. I'm not positive about that. He, the real Captain, he died in 47. Like yeah. So they like barely made it out, and they had a good couple of years, and then nothing. She, the real Maria, uh, only said yes to the Captain because she loved the kids. She right. didn't really loved him um so she grew to love him as time went on but she's quoted in their book in their memoir saying she was angry on her wedding day angry at god and angry at gregor because all she wanted to do was actually be a nun and so Rogers and Hammerstein were like we're going to tweak that bit a little bit and <laughs> and we're going to have this nice song about going to, to climb every mountain and it'll be so nice and then you know you'll realize this is not what you're supposed to do and blah 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 it's it's, it's going to work out don't yeah. worry um the the music in this is much better than The King and I. Why do you keep comparing it to The King and I? Because we've recently done The King and I. And that was last same, year. Right, but it's the same people who do... Rogers and the Hammerstein. Right. They also did Cinderella, if you are... I've never seen them. <gasps> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, We've every time. I'm we've... sorry, what? I've never seen Cinderella. What? Stop everything. We're going to watch Cinderella. <laughs> like, we have to. This is This is a travesty. Would you like to watch the Leslie Ann Warren version, the Julie Andrews version, or the Brandy version? Uh, Brandy. Okay, can do. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber are the king and queen, and they make a Korean son. It's very, it's very, I, it's very, <laughs> interesting. it's very ahead of its time. So, the music in this is good, obviously, because it's still kind of in the zeitgeist. Sure. A fav, my favorite things plays on the radio every year at Christmas. Yeah, because they mention the word presents. That does not make it a Christmas song. It does. It doesn't. It does. No. Everyone knows this movie is more Easter related than anything. Sure, it's always on. It's always on. It's TV always on Easter. for Easter. It's weird. Yeah, like the Ten There's no bunnies in it. It's yeah, but the Ten Commandments at least has a biblical tie. Yeah, it has Passover. Right, right. and Passover is usually close to Christ, uh Easter. It's always. At Easter, because Jesus was celebrating Passover. That's why they were together. So it's yes. always at the same time. Is it time. always? For some reason, I didn't think it was always. I know in the Bible and I know the story Like that, that is what's going on. Yep. But I didn't know that. I didn't remember that that's what it was. It always the... lingers. Yeah. It's never it's like an exact day to day lineup, but yeah, it always lingers. It's always in the. The, yeah, it's not like Hanukkah, which can be like a couple weeks before or a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Sometime, like sometime between yeah. like, sometime in the month of December. Yeah, sometime. It, yeah, it's a little, it's a little closer. Anyway, let's, you know, let's get back to this. This film, to to me, if you're looking at it in the '60s, it's so very obvious that it wins because here, one, because it's good, but like here's why: 1965, the whole movie. Is about following your dreams and rebelling against the established order and and they're like here wait swig- yeah Gregor's like boo Nazis we got to do our own thing but they're not the established order they become the established I mean, order granted in real life Austria was like yay, Nazis yeah not but yeah but not everybody was yeah well no Gregor wasn't obviously he wasn't but- yeah so but my but the point is like is that like they but it's also like. The conservative man learns to love to sing and flowers and stuff. You know what I mean? But like he'd already loved, he'd already liked those stuff. Yeah, but he had forgotten that part of himself. Because he was heartbroken. And so the hi- his wife So basically died. the hippie who loves sunshine comes in and was like, la la la, being free and stuff, and he's like, You're right. And he like rips off his uniform and he's like, ha, screw the rules. Let's <laughs> let's flee over the mountains. So you can see he basically learns to loosen up and love the groovy life. That's right. That's basically what this movie is. And so you can see. Why this movie struck a chord in the middle of the sixties, or even now, Is, or now still? I think that's why people still love it. Because as much as you could talk about, like, oh, the music's great and the love story's great and the kids are really cute and the, and all that stuff, people still say love Great, people. I disagree. I think it's great. I think it's great because it's real. No. Yeah. It's 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 okay. There are much better love stories. This movie kind of just hinges on the music. Wow. Wow. A very unpopular opinion that you've just laid out there. Don't all musicals truly just hinge on the music, though? No. No. Give me one that doesn't. Moulin Rouge. Ew. What? Did you what? say ew to Moulin Rouge? No. Just how Did you seriously just compare Moulin Rouge to the sound of music? Yeah. I don't understand. C- c- Keep going in that. They're both love stories. Okay. But that movie does not hinge on the music. That is an actual love story. Sure. So. Sure. So the movie. The movie about. This movie is about a woman who cares for kids and becomes attached to the family. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying they're not in love. But it's just. Kind of, as you said yourself, she, like according to her, it wasn't until after they were married that she really started to love him. Sure, sure. but you're you're talking about the real Maria, not the the Julie Andrews of the film. So it, it's a little like that. Yeah, she leaves because she's like, it's weird. I have she, she leaves I, because she loves him and she's confused because she wants to be a nun. She right. thinks right, and the nuns are like, oh no. We sang a song about it. <laughs> yeah. We, we sang a song about having to solve you. We figured hooking you up with this guy was the way to do it. Pretty much. Pretty much. But, Which is much better than my fan theory. So it's, it's great. Oh, yeah. That's, the tell fan tell th- us tell the us The fan, fan theory, theory. of uh, the Nazis. The Nazis were sent by the convent to really solve a problem like Maria. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, this is know? how we deal with it. And Maria. at the hills, they were not alive with the sound of music. Those were the monsters from Tremors. Oh, new twist! <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that tweet that I no, heard? I didn't. No, no. good tweet. Um, so yeah, she their love in this is a lot like is are a lot like Shivago and Laura. I you don't like no. their love just comes out of left field. I, I completely disagree. I if you were to look at Lara and Shyvago as like the the like the line to where you go we'll take Moulin Rouge in there, I think that. Christians and whatever her name is, Nicole Satine that in Moulin Rouge is more like Lara and Chavago because they're in love because she's pretty and then he's pretty and they're like, oh, I see like free love and stuff like in a, in a society that won't allow us to be together. That's why they're in love. Who The, the Moulin Rouge? No, they're in love because they're in love. No, that's not a reason. That's if that's if that's the case, then you should also like Zhivago and Laura for being in love. Because I don't mind Zhivago and Laura. I just I just love don't think there's enough story there. There's more story in Christian and Satine, and as far as uh, Maria and Gregor go, there is little. Like he dislikes her, mm-hmm. leaves on a trip comes back, sees his children happy, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm in love with her. Uh nope, disagree. They he doesn't come back into he does not come back into that room and is like, Hey, it's Maria. It's so good to see you. So happy now that you're here. He's he's infatuated by the ch- like his children and like how they've grown up and what they've come and they've become alive with her and he is grateful to her for bringing. He says, you've brought music back into my home. I've forgotten, you know, so that music is not just music; it's also love because he obviously he sings and plays guitar, so that's a part of himself already. And she has reminded him of who he really is—that part of him that he has buried since the since the death of his wife. And so and the baroness will continue to keep that part of him buried she wants to send the children off to boarding school and they're a part of who he is and so he loves maria because he lets the she lets the children and himself be themselves and he is grateful and in love with her for that gift that she has given them that's a real reason no okay you're not I know you won't change your am mind. I, am I crazy or did yes. I see my children climbing trees earlier? Uh yes. Yes. That's <laughs> that was that a good <laughs> thing. That's a great line. So that's that's so I will not we never agree on what love actually is because you don't except understand it. except in love it. actually. Yes, well, because that's because there are different versions of it all across that movie, and so there's something for everybody. Right. Even if you don't agree on what love is, I'm not saying. But that's the thing. I'm not saying that the love story is bad. Kind of sounds like you are. I'm saying the love story is just not as good as better love stories. I think this is more. I think their love is more of a Javago and Laura kind of love. Where I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just saying the movie doesn't do, or even the play do enough to really show them falling in love to warrant me saying they're definitely in love. Okay. That's fine. I will give you your opinion. I will not concede to it, but should certainly your Because I am, fanfare, the voice of the people. Mm -mm. You are no such thing. I am. Nope. Despite Despite what your tattoo on your forehead says... You are not the voice of the people. It also says damaged. You are. You're certainly that, though. Let's do the fun facts for The Sound of Music, and then we'll head into the Rewindies. Idle I, have Idle. Like so fa- I have a fun fact about Edelweiss. If you'd like a fun fact. I have a fun fact about Edelweiss. So Clinton, go away. Is it the Clinton fun fact? Mm, maybe. Okay, well, do your fun fact about Ada Weiss, if it's also mine. I'll... Christopher Plummer intensely disliked working on this film. He's been known to refer to it as the sound of mucus, or s and and likened working with Julie Andrews to being, quote, being hit over the head with a big Valentine's Day card every day. Nonetheless, he and Andrews have remained close friends ever since. Andrews herself claimed that Plummer's cynicism probably helped his performance in the film, keeping it from being too sentimental. Yep, I would agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. The song Edelweiss was written for the musical and is little known in Austria. That is correct. The song was the last that Oscar Hammerstein, Hammerstein II wrote before his passing in 1960. Oh, I did not know that. That's sad. And finally... As we've discussed, mm. and as I alluded to when we were off air, you know, the whole ending of them crossing every mountain to leave. Yes. And I was like, no, they, they just kind of walked down the street. Like, they didn't cross every mountain. When the Von Trapp family hiked over the Alps to Switzerland in the movie, in reality, they walked to a local train station and boarded a train. That's great. They, like, the Nazis did nothing. They were just like, all right, we're out. Peace. Right. Well, because they didn't leave after a concert. No, and, they did. They were just like, we're out. We're going to the train station, guys. That's fantastic. It wasn't even. It, but I'm not even saying like after the after the concert as much as like the Nazis really didn't care about them leaving. No, right? Because it was far too early to block borders. Right. Things. Like it was way, way, way too early. From Italy, they they fled to London and ultimately the U.S. Salzburg is in fact only a few miles away from the Austrian-German border, and is much too far from either the Swiss or Italian borders for a family to escape by walking. Had the von Trapps hiked over the mountains, they would have ended up in Germany near Adolf Hitler's mountain retreat. That's fantastic. Added fun fact, the actual place, the actual uh, home of the von Trapps Mm -hmm. was occupied after they left by Himmler and was visited several times by uh, Hitler. Really? Yeah. Well, that is an interesting fun fact. It is. My fun fact about Edelweiss um, I in the 90s when Clinton was president they either the Austrian ambassador came or something somebody along those high in political office from Austria came to the White House and they played Edelweiss as part on the saxophone. of uh, as part of the, I wish he played it on the saxophone what a cool grooving dude he was um, he <laughs> loved french fries yeah anyway. Um, they played Edelweiss as, like, the entrance song. And they were like, oh, what a beautiful song that is. And they were like, oh, well, don't you know it? It's Edelweiss. You know, Edelweiss, you know, your national flower. And they were like, what? That's not What are you talking about? That's not even a real flower. That's not a thing. What are you talking about? And they were like... Isn't that your national anthem? And then somebody got fired for not (laughs) (laughs) fact-checking. Well, they didn't have the internet back then. They... Did they yeah. had the they had the very rudimentary internet? Oh yeah, couldn't you weren't searching for any? Uh, yeah, weren't searching for that kind of. Information. They didn't even have Ask Jeeves yet. That's how old it was. Oh man, Ask Jeeves! What a crazy time. Let's Ask Jeeves what the Rewindies are. Palmer, what are the Rewindies? They're my copyrighted award ceremony that I came up with. <laughs> <Do-do-do>. All right, <laughs> patent pending. I'm gonna. <laughs> You can, only, you can only vote for people. You can only pick You can only pick out of the these best films. picture nominees for any category. That is correct. <clears throat> and here we go. Best actor in these five categories go to... Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. I agree. Almost gave it to Jason Robards. Real close. But um, best actress goes to... Mm-hmm. Julie Andrews for me. Really? She won. I mean, yeah. Did she win? She won. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Yep. Just no, no, yes, would... dead air That's what we need yeah, to continue. I th- yeah I like them to think That I'm contemplating Like Yeah, it's called dead air Just You're dead say, air say things Come on eh, Things Dying. What What are we doing? Why didn't you write these down? Huh? We do this every episode Oh, you're the one Who's usually not thinking Julia Christie Julia Christie Very Dr. Good. Zhivago Okay Oh, for Dr. Oh, you went in a different direction Yeah For Dr. Zhivago She was nominated for Darling For Best Actress Oh, yeah No, Dr. Zhivago Okay a Supporting actor William Daniels. William Daniels for A Thousand Clowns. Yep. I'm going to give it to Richard Hayden for The Sound of Music because Max is the best character are in that you movie. Are just giving it to everybody in Sound of Music? No. There are other things in here. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> best supporting actress. I don't know. Go ahead. Peggy Wood for The Sound of Music. <laughs> Mother Superior. She's tremendously good. Although she had to redub her voice. Yeah, they all did. It was the 60s. Do you think everything... Ties back to the sixties. It that's what they they do that now. It's called ADR. Mm. Yeah. Vivian Lee Ship of Fools. Uh Vivian Lee and Ship of Fools. Okay. Cinematography. Dr. Chivago. Dr. Chivago, I agree. Excellent. There are no special effects, so we're gonna skip that one. Production design. Dr. Chivago? I am also gonna give it to Dr. Chivago. It's an excellent yeah. beautiful, beautiful film. A, those opening scenes of Austria in The Sound of Music are great, mm-hmm. but Dr. Zhivago kind of has that going the whole time. Th- those opening scenes are great, except for the fact that once you get past the mountain, it's just a mat. Like, that's not real background. That's no. a mat painting. Sure. That's why I gave it to Dr. Zhivago, because <laughs> they were better mat paintings. know. They shot outside. I know. <laughs> best music. I'll tell you what didn't win best music. Dr. Zhivago. No, you they really, really like Lara's they theme? really I liked Laura's theme the first forty times it was in the movie. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. They it was really great. hammered that one to the ground. they did sound of music they, they called light motifs, <laughs> and so you understand that you no, know. this was just them playing Laura's theme. They called and light over motifs damn it anyway, I'm also going to give it to the sound of music because this is the sound of music. best writing go ahead, sound of music yeah. Yeah, Sound of Music. Right, and Best Picture goes to The Sound of Music. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I I almost went Dr. Zhivago. No. No, I just couldn't do it. No, you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Nope. Nope. You had a line in the sand before you watched it. You were like, this isn't going to be good. And you watched it, you're like, this wasn't good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You rarely change your mind when you make it up. (laughs) No, I, I was actually hoping that Dr. Zhivago was good. Because it's a movie that you always hear about. So I had never seen it before. So I'm like, all right, I finally get to watch this epic. And then uh, an hour into it, I'm like, why was this an epic? Well, certainly is an epic. I mean, yeah. it's epically long. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Sound of Music is, is really the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. It is the obvious choice. It is fun. It's rewatchable. It holds up. It holds up. The music's really good. Mm-hmm. It is the better version of The King and I. Mm-hmm. They needed Christopher Plummer to say etcetera, cetera, etcetera. cetera, et cetera. Nope. That's too many et for him. He's <laughs> a man of few words. All the, so et cetera in some ways would have really worked. There, there's a scene in The Sound of Music that I really like when they're all drinking the pink lemonade. But all the kids are there. So they want to say the pink lemonade spiked. But nobody says it. And so they're like, it's, it's lemonade spiked uh, with uh, pink. 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 And then you have Max who's like, it's good, but it's a little too pink while he's wearing a pink tie like it's yes it's too pink for you max i'm sure (laughs) he's he's like how is that oh it's good it's pink oh i'll try some of this then yeah (laughs) i I do love pink it's great it's things you don't pick up on when you're a kid you know it has some cute scenes it does have some cute scenes it has some cutesy scenes anyway Palmer, next up on our agenda, next episode. 1956. 1956. Woo! The movies are as follows. Mr. Roberts. Never heard of it. Marty. Nope. Picnic. No. Love is a many splendid thing. I doubt it. The Rose Tattoo. Really? Yep. Those are the movies. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> is it? You know, sometimes it works out well when you, like, you look at the movies and you're like, I don't really know any of those. Rose Tattoo, I know, because it's a Tennessee Williams play. Ooh, yeah, I did like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah, even though it didn't have any cats, cats or tin roofs for that matter. But yeah, so so we have those to look forward to. You can find us on Twitter at Academy Rewind, which really means you can find Palmer with all of his opinions, hot takes on Academy Rewind on Twitter. You can email us at you can email us at Academy rewind at Gmail. gmail.com. You can check out all other Thought Bubble audio shows at ThoughtsBubbleAudio.com. You can head over to patreon.com slash Thought Bubble Audio to hand over a dollar a month if you are so inclined to keep the lights on. Podcasts are weirdly expensive, even though they're free. And you, of course, can check out all of the Thought Bubbles audio shows at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. Good job. Thanks. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, things like that. Stitcher Stitcher Yeah I'll give you some Stitchers Sutures Anyway Sutures? Palmer I'm losing it So <laughs> Palmer I think we're done here Which is good no, Because they're letting really? us off No I have so many more people to think Well that's too bad Bye, Bye.